Cade Mila, it's a Falcha, and welcome back to the second episode of Yorish Hack. Today, once again, I'm joined by Kevin Markham, and we're going to be talking about Mount Julia Golf Club down in County Kilkenny. County Kilkenny, not Kilkevin. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you excited for this one? <laughs> yeah, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Cool, cool. All right, give me off the bat, uh, Mount Julia, what's your thoughts? One of the best golf experiences um, in terms of the whole package. Um, certainly, it was the premium package for a long time. Um, up right up there with the K Club. Okay, Adair has come along, kind of trumped everything now. But um, Man Juliet is still a beautiful place to visit. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful estate. It gives you that really warming feeling right from the time you walk, you drive in through the gates. So I mean, it's it's five star experience. Um, no no question. For sure. And like very, very different to last week's episode where we spoke about Port Salon. It's um, 6,926 yards, a lot longer, a lot more bunkers, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit later. Um, I completely agree with you. It's a fun course to play. I've gone a few times with friends and there could have been four of us or eight of us. And it's nothing, you're not going to kill your scorecard out there, kill your handicap or stress out too much. There's nothing overly taxing about the entire course i wouldn't say okay i would i would say there that there are two tough holes i mean two really tough holes and um, the the fourth and the is it the 13th uh 11 12 13 yeah so i mean those are two really really tough holes and the 18th in fairness with all the water but um it's a very welcoming course a very playable course um mm. so yeah, it's uh, one of Jack Nicholas' designs that, do you know, it was opened in 1991. Uh, I know that you know the other Jack Nicholas design here in Ireland, Colleen Castle, which I'm sure we'll touch on someday. But sure. um, a little bit about the history in the course. It's a 15-acre site. The River Nor cuts through it. And it was, like I mentioned, designed and opened by Jack Nicholas in 1991. When he actually played in an exhibition match against Christy O'Connor Sr., it's... It's been going for a long time, and I think you're going to say the exact same as me. What's Jack Nicholas's main design feature? Do you think? Well, big open fairways, drivability. Exactly that. <laughs> Take a driver and smash it wherever you can. Mm -hmm. um, that'd be that'd be my approach to when I'm playing Mount Juliet. But one thing that I found out in the research about the course is it did have a fifty, a par fifty-four, eighteen hole putting green, which. You actually confirmed with me that was removed entirely in 2016. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was obviously it was quite difficult to maintain. Um, was, I mean, it was par 54, 18 holes. So each hole is like a par three. And uh, I mean, it was big. I only ever saw it. I never got to play it. It was never open when I actually was down there. And uh, maybe that's part of the problem, you know, maintaining that on top of everything else. I mean, I, you, you said there when you were introducing it, you, you said it was designed on 15 acres, 1,500 acres, I'm sure. Oh, sorry, 50, it's, 50, it's, 50, <laughs> <laughs> 50, the two-hole course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 1,500 acres. And, and you know, the, the team, the greenkeeping team, sort of looks after an awful lot of that, not just the golf course. So I think the, the par three course or the, Brilliant, the putting course. I'd love to have played it, but I never did. Now it's gone. Mm. Let me just allude to the experience that you mentioned earlier as well. When you, because I, I didn't mention this at the start, when you get down there, it's a five-star resort. It's um, an hour 40 southwest from Dublin city centre. It's 
it is a spectacular place from the moment you drive in all the way to the hotel, all the way to the golf course reception, exceptional. Uh, and I, I love it. And I've only said, I've stayed there once before with my brother and another person. And we, we had good fun uh, after 18 holes and finished like half nine at night. And we said, Joshua, why don't we just stay here tonight? Uh, it's, it's a fantastic, fantastic spot. Oh, it is. I mean, like you, I've been lucky to stay there um, and eat in their Lady Helen, Lady Helen, their, their like Michelin starred restaurant. I ate there and it was a truly exceptional experience. For sure. Uh, when we're talking a little bit about the, the history of the course, it has held a number of major tournaments. The Irish Open was held there in 91, 92, 93. The three winners there were Nick Faldo, Bernhard Langer, Sam Torrance. The WGC American Express was held there in 2002 when Tiger Woods shot 25 under, which was the course record. And in 2004, Ernie Els won at 18 under. Tiger Woods actually finished 19th, or 9th that year as well. And then recently, in 2020, Lucas Herbert won, and 2021, Adrian Moronk won the Irish Open there. So a lot of good golf tournaments have arrived at Mount Julia Estate. Oh, oh no question. Um, going back to Tiger Woods, uh, he only bogeyed one hole, and that was the 18th hole on the last day. I, that's my recollection. Somebody may, may tell me I'm wrong. But the reason I, uh, that has always stuck with me is I went down and played in a competition there about six, eight weeks later, and my friend said, the only thing I want to do is part of the 18th, because then I can say I beat Tiger Woods. And he actually ended up birding it. So uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, really, that's always stuck with me. And, now, and his name was Rory McIlroy, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rory's a close friend, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's outrageous. I never knew that about Tiger uh, bogey in the last. I've, I've bogeyed it a plethora of times. Oh. I, can't, I can't even put it on. It's, it's actually one of my, uh, I don't want to say one of my favorite finishing holes. I think it's a really, really good finishing holes. And I'm not a big fan of, compared to Port Salon last week, I'm not a big fan of very, very tough finishing holes, but... You stand on the 18 tee box, and we've been in a few matches down there, and you know to yourself, I've got to hit a good drive here because you're hitting a six iron or a five iron into that green a lot of the time as well. Oh, easily. And I mean, I know we've talked before about um, the shape, shaping shots. I mean, I, I draw the ball naturally. I, I couldn't fade a ball to save my life. And uh, so drawing the ball on 18 is a terrifying prospect. I don't draw the ball either, but when I stand that 18 tee box, I do manage to hook it <laughs> way left. Uh, moving on to a little bit of the experience. So we alluded to the five-star resort that you get to and the, the hospitality and the quality of food and everything when you get there. In terms of the golf, this is what a lot of people would describe as an American golf course. There's a lot of tees, uh, a lot of tee boxes to play from there's a plethora of bunkers mature trees and i've seen it described multiple times as a proper american parkland yeah and i guess the question to that is why is that a problem it's a it's a problem for americans come over here they, they don't want to play an american style course that was always the great complaint about the k club and and the palmer course hosting the Ryder cup uh which one has to remember europe won so, I mean, it may have been American style, but the Americans didn't play it very well. So I don't, I don't have a problem with that. As long as you go in with your eyes open and you know that you're going to get the, that kind of experience on a, on a golf course, enjoy it. For sure. I've never played golf in America, so it doesn't bother me whatsoever. Uh, likewise. likewise. Um, and especially the fact that over here, 
like if this course is in America, I think a lot of people would probably give out a little bit more. But over here, we got such variety in golf courses between heat, uh, Heatland and Parkland and Lynx golf courses. Going down to play a golf course like Mount Julia, you, you're not overly faced. And I actually, I enjoy it when I'm going down with a few friends. Um, we move on then to a little bit about the playability. So this is where we go through a little bit about the course, hole by hole or nine by nine. Okay, start me off, Kevin. Give me initial thoughts. I won't ask you for one word because the last time I put you on the spot, but I want to get your initial thoughts and just the general playability of Mount Julia. I think, I mean, it, it is a very playable course, and I think that's, I mean, typically described as a resort course. So, therefore, they don't want to create t terrible difficulties for visitors. You know, you, no visitor wants to turn up and play a, a golf course and get beaten to a pulp. Um, you know, there are plenty of courses that do that, uh, you're not going to find many at a resort. So it's it's a very playable course. You can take your driver out. You can swing pretty freely with the driver. And uh, and then that's when the interesting fun happens because then you've got to get into a green. And Jack Nicholas loved bunkering greens uh, to within an inch of their life. And he did that plenty plenty there and even more so at Colleen Castle. So I mean, you know, he, he had a field day with the stand. Yeah, one of the one of the notes I have is that Port Salon has like, from what I saw, twenty six bunkers. This feels like it has a hundred and twenty six bunkers, and just talking a little bit about the bunker in here, needlessly so. Like, it's you, you're looking at some of the part, like the part five, the I think it's the fifth hole. Yeah, and I don't know how many bunkers in that hole. While you're speaking, I might actually look it up. And it just feels like this with so many of the golf holes out there is that you're just, and it's not intimidating on the eye or anything because you're like half, like 75% of those bunkers there don't intimidate me whatsoever. They're not in play. It should realistically be just that one in front of the green. Like that pair of five, the fifth hole, if you took out whatever, four or five of those bunkers and had three or four around the green, all of a sudden, that pro shot becomes a lot more tougher compared to when you lift your eyes and you see all the bunkers. You're, just, you're automatically just going to go towards the green. I think we're pretty much aligned here. Um, and our good friend Andy Lack had alluded to, alluded to it a few times before. That there's a lot of golf courses in America and in Ireland that are just, I don't know what the word is, over-bunkered. No, over-bunkered is exactly what they are. And I mean, it, it is. It becomes a bit of a trend. It's, um I was reading something the other day that was talking about architects and uh, there was a sort of a, I wouldn't say it was a definition, but there was certainly a distinction between architects who just use the land and others who look at it and go, I need to put a bunker in it just to mm. create a hazard or something to look at. Uh, it's, it's difficult. I mean, there's a County Sligo, Ross's Point is uh, one of my favorite Lynx courses and um, it's had a little bit of a makeover, which I don't like at all. And one of the things that they were going to do was to stick a bunker up on the hillside to the left of the 17th green. Now, the 17th is one of the toughest golf holes you will ever play. Um, it, uh, no, I won't describe it here. There's no need. But the bunker up on the top left was nothing more than a distraction. No golfer of any quality would ever go in it. And even if you were not of any quality, what you'd be doing up on the hillside, who knows? So a lot of bunkers do get stuck in for no good reason. Uh, there's an awful lot of aesthetics that go with, go with it. And 
I'm, I'm not a massive fan of, of Jack's bunkering policies, shall we call them. I don't think you're alone from that. From what I've read online, there's a lot of people who would agree with you on a lot of these. Um, like I mentioned a few times, like Port Salon, 26 bunkers, that fifth hole, I'm making sure Do you want to even hazard a guess at how many? It's probably half, probably half of Port Salon's. Yeah, so you're guessing 13. There's actually 12. There you go. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I didn't know. Um, oh my God, that's amazing. Uh, I'll, I'll refer to this a little bit later, but uh, the first hole... Okay, so you arrive onto the first tee box. There's a big tree that stands probably 100 feet tall, maybe even taller, I'm not sure. And you bring in my measuring tape, but a big <laughs> tree on the left-hand side that is pretty intimidating. And you think to yourself, when you get there, you're like, this is going to be maybe a little bit of a tough day off the tee. There's a few trees out there or bunkers, and it's not going to be just a walk around. I couldn't be any more wrong after the first time I stood in that tee because straight away you begin to realize there's no trees out there on the driving, in, on the driving lines. Um, so I want to just mention, first hole, I love talking about opening holes. General thoughts on the first hole. Do you like it or hate it? I really like it. I think it's a lovely welcome. Um, it is. It kind of sums up everything that you're going to be facing. Now, I know what you're saying about the tree, but it's still a, a generous enough drive followed by a particularly tough approach shot because you've got to decide where you want to, do you want to take on the pin, which is probably going to be behind that bunker uh, on the right-hand side. Um, certainly when I play it, it always seems to be over there. Mm -hmm. um, you get a choice. I mean, the one thing I will say for Jack Nicholas is he tends... He usually gives you, it usually gives the weaker golfer an option to get into the hole easily. Now mm. you're not doing it for you know your, your approach shot, but certainly there's a there's a there's an avenue for your your third to make it very easy if you're not particularly long off the tee. So that works in his favour, and that works particularly in well, <laughs> I'm I'm going back to Portugal now. Monterey is a, is a perfect example where you there is an option. And uh, Clean Castle too. Sorry, I'm losing my voice a bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, you're all good. So I actually, I love to drive off this tee as well because the bunker that covers two thirds of the right-hand side of the green, ideally your tee shot wants to be up the left so that you avoid coming over that bunker so much. But then that tree comes. And I actually think it's actually a pretty interesting one. The ideal shot shape, you'd love it, is a draw around that tree to get to the left-hand side of the fairway, have a good approach into the green. I actually think it's, probably one of my favorite holes out there in terms of just strategic and it's it's a little bit tough not overly tough i think it's a good opening hole it doesn't reset in my opinion it doesn't reset the team for the rest of the round though no no it doesn't um it's uh it, it is a nice opening hole and uh, i think actually the top and tail the opening hole and the closing hole are particularly good um but no one would ever talk about the first hole at mount julia as being you know one of their best holes because well, it's not, but it's a very nice introduction to the course. Mm. Very nice introduction that greets you with seven bunkers straight away off the bat. <laughs> uh, but we won't we won't dwell on the bunkers too much. In terms of like holes two, three, four, and five, I think I know which one's going to be standout to you. But which one is the standout hole in that run of four holes there? Well, the par three third is 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 a beauty. I mean, it's a really charming charming par three the fourth again is is one of the a very tough hole and it's almost out of character with the rest of the course because it's mm. so tough and it's such a narrow drive between the trees 
um, which again contrasts with everything else that's that's at Mount Juliet. But I mean, three and four are just two quality holes. Mm. The par three, the third hole is 174 yards off the white. It's an index six. It's between holes three and four, your heart would be racing. Like the third hole of the tee shot, there's such excitement and adrenaline there trying to just hit the green. That's all you want to do. And when you look back from the green backwards, you actually think that was a simple enough shot. There's only one bunker over the back of the green. I just needed to hit the middle of the green. But when you're standing on the tee box, it looks way smaller than what it is in reality. And then the same with the fourth hole, like the drive is like it's only 387 yards, index two. Get a good drive away and you're not finished. Like because you, you need to hit this drive between a narrow alleyway of trees and then you get to your ball and you're so relieved that you hit the fairway and then you look up and there's water running all alongside the right-hand side of the green and you realize uh, in the last three, in the last two holes, the third hole and the fourth hole, I've need to hit three really good shots to give myself a good chance of making par. Oh, no doubt about it. And I think the interesting thing about the, the third particularly is you have tee boxes in two very different positions. So they're very much on the left or they're very much on the right. And if, depending on which ones you end up playing from, very different shots. I mean, water's in front of the green and along the left-hand side. So, you, you know, you talk about you want to hit the green. You really don't have any option. I mean, you mm. know, maybe your safest bet is to go into the bunker at the back. And then you've got to play back towards the water on a green that slopes towards the water. So you can be in serious trouble. And it, kudos to the team at Nigeria. They actually keep the place in very, very good nick. So it's not like you're hitting onto a very soft green if you're in that bunker over the back. You hit that green, you land badly. Like I mentioned, three unbelievable shots to make two pairs, or even three unbelievable shots just to make two bogeys and get out of there with maybe your two points in the stable for a match, and you're just happy just to get that done. Yeah, the fourth, the fourth is something else. I mean, it's a. I don't actually. I actually produced a list of the eighteen toughest holes in Ireland, and and that Mount Juliet was on there, and it was the shortest par four. I mean, there was no other par four on the list under 400 yards. So, I mean, that kind of, to me, certainly emphasizes how difficult that hole is. For sure. And then we move on to the fifth and sixth greens, which we've kind of mentioned a little bit, or fifth and sixth holes, which we've kind of mentioned a little bit already. Um, there's one word that I'd use to sum up these, and we've mentioned it, is overbunkered. Bunkers absolutely everywhere. And a lot of time, needless bunker, not needless bunkers. Yeah, I, I mean, generally, I don't actually like um, the the fifth or the sixth. I mean, I, 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 the sixth is very much a filler hole. It's a par three. The par five, fifth, I don't know. I, I really feel it could be a strong hole, but it doesn't work very well for me. And uh, I don't know whether it's the bunkering. Maybe it's the bunkering. There's just too much of it. It just fills your eye line all the time. Um, but certainly, I, I don't know. I mean, watching it during the Irish Open, I just couldn't quite get, get to grips with it. Yeah, I think the thing that frustrates me about the fifth hole is you hit your drive away, and the bunkers on the right-hand side aren't really in play. Like it's You just aim up at the left-hand side, and there's plenty of space out there. And then you look up, and you see them five bunkers over on the right-hand side about... 60 or 70 yards short of the greens and you think to yourself okay i'll just lay up before them but then you get down there and you realize there was so much room behind them that i actually could have taken a crack at this green and not worried about my fear when i see that many bunkers is duffing the ball 
catching a heavy and then just running into one of these bunkers. I'm like, even if I hit a tree wood there and I didn't catch it absolutely fully, there was I probably would have carried these bunkers. And that's just I think that's a little bit about what frustrates me, especially about the fifth hole. Because I think if you took out those bunkers on the right hand side, if you're laying up, you hit a good approach shot down the left hand side and you have a good angle into the green. If you're going for it, you're not thinking about those bunkers 60 yards out from the green, but you're really intimidated by the bunker long le- or long center and then short of the green. And it becomes a much more tougher shot then compared to a lot of people get out there and they decide to lay up because they see the five bunkers on the right-hand side. Yeah, it's actually, you know, um, I think my, my problem with it um, is probably off the tee, you're not quite sure what your line is. And on your second, you're not quite sure what you're required to do. So you've got mm. kind of shots where you're indecisive because the course isn't showing you enough now that's the golfer's problem not so much the course but at the same time the course is not helping you and i think that's why it's slightly two maybe slightly unrewarding shots in a row and that doesn't help on a par five and then you move out to the sixth hole which is 202 yards i think a lot of time it even plays into the breeze i think i've hit three wood in there before and there's a bunker 43 yards short of the green like it's just, it feels like a filler hole just to get you from the fifth green to the seventh tee box. And they just said, we need to put something in here either, and it has to be a par three, so it's going to have to be 202 yards to get people there. And it's a long walk from the fifth green to the sixth tee box as well. Yeah. And then yeah. you get up and you're greeted with 200 yards of torture. And then that, like, it could actually, if it wasn't so much of a walk, I think it actually could be a, an interesting part three if it was like 170 yards and there was the punishing bunkers short or to the right inside side the green and long to the right and you think to yourself that would actually be a good green but it's the fact that you're just happy to make bogey and get out of there kind of takes away a little bit of the excitement i think it's a little bit flat to be exciting it's it's there's not you know off, off the tee you don't really see anything um of substance and i think that i I mean, what do you do? Do you go in and you put in massive mounding and shapes and so on and so forth to create a much more interesting target? Or do you leave it as it is? I mean, either way, I think it's it's never going to be more than getting you from one tee to the next. Exactly. I think that's exactly my issue with it, is it's a long walk, fifth, six to, fifth green to sixth tee box, and then a long walk from the sixth green to the seventh tee box. And you just know for a fact that that hole is just thrown in there for the sake of it, and there is no real substance to it. I think that's what frustrates me a little bit. What else frustrates me is moving on to the seventh hole, and I'll mention this on the ninth hole as well, is the lack of strategy on some of these holes. Like the seventh hole is a dog leg to the right, there's a bunker short right of the hole, and there's trees along the right. If the bunker was on the left-hand side of the green, right? This is just purely what I was thinking about earlier. If the bunker was on the left-hand side of the green, you'd say to yourself, okay, I need to, on this tee shot, I need to hug the right-hand side, hug the trees as close as possible, and it'll actually be an exciting shot. Into, it'll be an exciting drive, and then I'll hit a shot into this green. But on this hole, the bunker's on the right-hand side, so dog leg and left to right, you just aim so far left, and then you're left with the best angle into the green. I'm not, I'm not a major fan of the seventh hole. And it's the same with the ninth hole as well. I think there's like a bunker... Off the tee box, and off the tee box, there's a bunker out on the right hand side of the fairway, and then there's a bunker on the right hand side of the green as well. And you're just playing up the left all day, and you're not really too fussed about the bunkers, really. Hmm. Interesting. 
I don't, I mean, I actually, <clears throat> I don't like nine, but I do like seven. Um, <clears throat> why do I like seven? I'm not sure. Um, I, I guess I like the, the angles of it, but um, actually I do see your point about the bunker. If you moved it to the other side, it would be a much more interesting approach shot. Yeah, because like, I've, I've played that before, and don't get me wrong, I play a slice. So a lot of times I've been in the trees on the right-hand side anyway. But if I do play it well, I'm just thinking to myself off the tee, aim so far left here, there's plenty of room out there, and you won't have to contend, contend with that bunker. And that bunker is actually a really, really good bunker in terms of how deep it is and how punishing it is. And it actually leads to a lot of excitement. But all the way down that hole, I'm like, aim left is drive, aim left with the approach, try make me up and down for par. And it doesn't always go that smoothly, but that's what I'm thinking in theory. Well, I mean, theory is a wonderful thing. It's a question <laughs> or not. And it's the same. The funny thing is, I mean, that's very much the same with the ninth. You know, with all those bunkers, mm. you know what you've got to do. It's a question of whether you can actually do it. I mean, for someone with a slice, that, sorry, a fade, let's be polite. Um, you know, that, that's more challenging for you than for someone like me. I just aim straight at the bunker on the right-hand side because I know I'm going to end up on the left-hand side. So that makes the ninth a lot easier for me. Mm. I think we move on into the back nine. And you mentioned before, there's a lot more elevation in the back nine. Um, I want to get your thoughts straight away as we make the turn on the back nine. Thoughts in the tenth hole. I don't think you like the tenth, do you? I can't remember what you it's, said. It's not that I don't like the tenth. It's just that I feel lost. Like I don't see... I don't know. I've played it like three or four times, and every time I've walked away, scratching my scratching my head. It's five hundred and twenty nine yards, and if you haven't played it before, it's just like massive, massive tree. I think there's two trees blocking your approach into the green. If you want to go for it in two, I honestly have no idea. I, I'm not. I don't think I like it, but I'll be honest. My head could be turned on it. I don't think it's. A, I mean, the thing, of course, is that a lot of people when they play up relatively short par five what they're after is a chance to go for the green in two if they hit a really good drive you can't do that unless you're mm. huge off the tee you, you're, you've got this stand of trees right in front of the green and guess what a very very heavily bunkered green completely surrounded in fact so the, the thing is what, what i like about it is you can you can go in going okay i'm going to play it this way but then if your drive is on the wrong side of the of the fairway your, your entire strategy has to change. You know, I would go down the left-hand side, I would go left of the trees and play into the green with a short wedge. Whereas, you know, if I block, block it right, that kind of removes the option of going left and I've got to go down the right-hand side and it's a completely different hole from there. So that's why I like it. I think it actually plays as two very different holes. But mm. I also understand that people would turn around and go, well, what's the point of the trees? I can't go for the green. Yeah, I don't even, like... Royal Tara Golf Club, the ninth hole on blue, has a tree. Um, yeah. But the thing about the tree is that if you hit a good drive, it's only one solo tree. So you can actually feel to yourself, maybe I can shape one around left to right or right to left or go over at this potentially. And it leads to a little bit of excitement. These trees, I look at them and I'm like, I have no option. I have to just hit it out to the left. Yeah. And my hypothesis is maybe if you just took out the left and the left side tree, with all the bunkers on the right-hand side, you think to yourself, you know what, maybe I can go for this in two and just hit a fade around this tree. And if I overfade it, if I overfade it, I'm in the bunkers. And if I don't, I'm like long left. And that's not great either because I think this green slopes a lot from like left to right. 
off the top of my head. I'm not sure. Um, maybe that's my only thing. But I'm not. I'm not the longest hitter in the world, so maybe, maybe that's also an issue. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Or... <laughs> yeah, sure. no, it's interesting. Um, you know, I would, as I say, I would normally go down the left hand side, and if you go too far with your second shot, so your approach shot, you know, you you want to leave yourself. 70, 80 yards, you suddenly find you're on a downslope and you're playing into a green slightly below you off a downslope. And that just makes that just makes it a trickier shot, especially with all those bunkers. And again, they're not shallow bunkers. You go in them, you're, you've got quite a height to get out. Mm, for sure. Um, 11, 11 and 12, any comments on that? I actually, I really like the 11 toll. And we've mentioned this before. I think in general, the par trees here are actually really really good for the majority of them oh absolutely apart from the sixth well yeah um, i mean i think the if you, 11 and 12 i would actually rather go 11 and 14 because you have these two par threes that are side by side and they play in opposite directions over a small stream uh, there's a big pond in front of the 11th but similar similar sort of shots but because you're going in different directions and i think the 14th would be longer um i, I, I'm, I haven't got the scorecard but they're two really charming, charming par threes. And the, the setting, you're completely surrounded by these huge trees. It's just enchanting. Yeah, especially the 14 to up on you're on a little bit of a raised tee box. And like my so many of my thoughts here have been over bunkering. There's four massive bunkers on the 14th hole. But in fairness, for some reason, I just feel like because you're on an elevated tee box the green seems pretty big and you feel like you have a decent chance to hit it. And I, I think it's an excellent, excellent par three. I'm a big, big fan of it. Yeah. We, sorry, go on. No, no, sorry. I'm, I wasn't going to move on. Go. The only thing I was going to say um, was I was actually out on Druid's Glen recently um, getting a tour of the course um, with all the new developments and Peter McAvoy, who's doing the design work. I was chatting to him and he's put a few bunkers behind the greens and he says the reason he's doing that is for the big players. Apparently the big guys, the pros, do not like bunkers behind greens. They find it too intimidating or too dangerous. I'm not quite sure which it is. So, I mean, you take that 14th and that huge big bunker that sits behind the green. I don't know. For, for, for me, um, I've never been remotely intimidated by that because it's mm. not somewhere I'm ever going to go. Um, but you know, for, for the big guys, maybe if you put the pin far enough back, they want to get close enough to it. And the penalty for going in that bunker with the green facing downhill the other way is quite severe. And especially from an elevation that you can actually see that bunker back of the green and you're, you might be double guessing yourself in the tee box. Oh, what club should I hit mate? How far is this play downhill? That is, that's a really, really interesting point that I'd never thought of it. Um, we'd probably be thrown off air if we didn't mention the signature hole for a lot of people out here the 13th hole maybe not signature hole but one of the best holes on the course in my opinion massive massive fan of this big big par four to the right dog leg right i think it's a great one and i hate it because of because of my draw so <laughs> i really i really struggle with that hole um i think you talk about bunkering I would love to see a bunkering, a bunker on the right-hand side of that fairway, because I always, I'm, I have to aim right to get back onto the the fairway on the left. Put it simply, and more often than not, I end up not on the fairway, but on the right-hand side in this scraggly rough that makes it almost impossible to go for the green in two. 
but I don't disagree with you. It is a brilliant hole. Yeah, like we, we spoke a little bit earlier about excitement. Um, like the tee shot, you're guessing your line, and it's kind of the uniqueness of not having bunkers on a course. You don't know which line to take, and you, like you mentioned, stroke saver. Like you look to stroke saver, you're trying to guess whereabouts you're going with this one. That is the great thing about not having bunkers. And then the approach shot, you don't see your drive land, and then your approach shot as well is hitting over this little stream, which you don't really feel like it should come into play. But you know it's in the back of your mind. And for like a mid-handicap golfer, you're like, if I don't catch this pure, and then you end up going long at the green and you're pitching back down the green. I think it's it's really, really interesting hole. And I'm I'm a big fan of it. I don't play it that well, but it's always the one I'm walking away the next day thinking that was that was fun to play. I think if you make if you make a par on that, um, you, you're you're doing a little victory dance because it is a, it's an amazing hole to do. Partly because your second shot, your approach shot, you're on a downhill lie playing to a green below you, and you've got this pond in front of the green, and then it's basically pond. I don't know three foot of stone wall straight up, and there's your green. So mm-hmm. if you're even a foot short, you are in the water, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough approach shot. If you get if you get away a really good drive, then you can you can feel confident in going for it. But if you're not on the fairway, I don't know. You probably don't want to be even thinking about going for it. But if you're playing with a few friends, they force you to go with for it. So I've been bullied into that one a few times, and I've regretted it straight away. The second yeah, the ball comes off the club, um, six or fifteen and sixteen, I've no real thoughts on them. Uh, I don't know if you have any comments. Um, again, two holes dominated by bunkering. Certainly the 16th with this amazing bunker they have wrapped around the back of the green. I mean, it's sort of almost three sides. I remember I, I took a photograph of it one night and uh, from behind the green, I was actually standing on top of a buggy. Don't tell me, Juliet, that. I was standing on top of a buggy looking back over, back up the hole. And it was a fabulous view of, of the hole. But... There were maybe, I was there at the end of the day, it had been a busy day, and I think I could see three places where it had been raked. So it's not, mm. again, not many amateur golfers go into that bunker. It's more of a an eyepiece. Mm, for sure. And then potentially two of the best holes on the course, in my opinion, the 17th and 18th. I think the 17th is... Uh, a, such a fun hole there's it's very similar to the first in fact that there's just one lone tree in the middle of it and you're all you're thinking about in your head is trying to avoid that but the difference with this is the tree is kind of on the right center of the fairway and there's water on the left as well so you're nearly aiming at the tree and just hitting to miss it or shooting to miss it yeah and in the green is no i don't think i've ever reached it for some people it is reachable um but you want to play it up the right hand side as well and then there's because I was watching the Irish Open, there was people going in there with like seven iron playing off the blue tees. That's yeah. the only that's the only thing that came into my head. But you want to be playing off the right hand side, but then there's trees all up on the right hand side. And if you slice the ball, you're gone. It's it's three really good shots to get on the green. Well, I mean the the, the trees, what what I love about it is is, is it's, it's almost S-shaped going through the trees. And you've got the big one on the right, you've got another big one on the left, then further on, big one on the right, big one on the left. So they're really standing alone, um, and it gives the hole tremendous space, but the trees obviously also make it extremely difficult. The mm. bunkering on the left front of the green, a little bit overdone. Um, are we surprised? Probably not. But the green is the most difficult on the golf course. 
it's got some serious slopes to it. And, you know, if you're off, well, if you're on the green and you're 20 feet, 25 feet, it's very easy to three putt. Very, very easy. I'm just looking at this here. I'm going to have to get me a calculator at some stage. Eight bunkers short left of the green. I think it'd be, yeah, it's kind of similar to the fifth in that aspect, aspect that you just don't want to see them. And you're kind of like, maybe I could go for this in two. But I think the 17th is a great hole. And similar to the 18th, the 18th is that one lone tree as well. 18th yeah. is an excellent, excellent hole. It's actually two fantastic finishing holes. And you won't find better in a lot of golf courses. No, I think the 18th certainly stands up there. And the 17th, um, in, in Hooked, I always pick a favorite hole. And I can't remember. I can, I can have a look. I'll do it next time you're having the chat and uh, see what my favorite hole was. But 17 would certainly be one of the top two or three for me there. Mm. Annie, I feel like we're kind of coming to the end. Any closing thoughts on Mount Juliet? Um, I, I th look, I, th I think it gets tremendous coverage. Um, it's, a, it's widely regarded as one of our best parklands. And it's certainly one of the big parkland experiences here. I don't think the course is as good as its reputation. I think there are too many uh, weak holes. Um, I mean, you know, on, on the front nine, we mentioned five and six. I'm not a fan of the ninth. Uh, on the back nine, we sort of skipped over 12. I'm not, not a fan of the 12th. And even 15 and 16. It's not that they're bad holes. It's just that if you're going to be out there saying, you know, this is the best parkland in Ireland or one of the top three or four, you need to be solid the whole way through and, and have the spectacular in there too. Now, Manjuria has the spectacular, but I just feel there are a few too many holes that are a little bit too weak. Final question. Colleen, Jack Nicholas designs in Ireland, Colleen Castle or Manjuria? I think if I was going to play one, I'd actually probably play Mount Julian ahead of Killeen Castle, but Killeen Castle would be a better course in terms of design. I mean, Jack started designing in the 1970s. He came to Ireland in the beginning of the 90s. Well, he probably started designing in, in the late 80s. So he was still finding his feet. I think his design in the at Killeen Castle is just more astute and sharper. Maybe... Uh, go back to the bunkering, maybe he's just been better with his positioning of the bunkers and the purpose of those bunkers. Certainly at, at Mount Juliet, you come across them and you go, I'm not sure why that's there. Mm. Yeah, they will disagree that, but we can save that conversation for a day when we're discussing Killeen Castle. Um, yeah. Kevin, listen, thanks very much for jumping on. For anybody listening, you can find Kevin on Twitter at Kevin Markham, writing for Irish Examiner and the Irish Golfer. And also be sure to check out his fantastic photos at kevinmarkhamphotography.com where you can find framed photos of Irish golf courses. And finally, like I mentioned in the last one, to add to this list of achievements, check out his book called Hooked, which was originally released in 2009 and has released three editions since. I'm going to get myself in a tongue teaser there. Be sure to check him out. You can find me on all social media handles at the plug lie. Gurmila Margot and Kevin, I'll chat to you again next week. Thanks very much.